0: And let's jump in and say what, talk about what's really going on in the job market coming up in 2023. Charlie Safro, the the founder and CEO of CS Consulting. Charlie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Kevin. I'm happy to be here.
0: It's always a pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, seeing you out in Chattanooga at, at F3 as as well. Um, but we're coming up on 2023. This is uh, you know we're talking here at the very end of 2022. It's been uh, an interesting year, to say the least, in, in freight. Um, the last three years have really been just kind of kind of, just strange all, all around. And uh, coming into 2023, you know, what's really happening in the job market? What can we expect? Um, we've seen a lot of people move around in the last two years. Is mm-hmm. that a trend that will continue? Is that one that will stall out as, you know, freight Freight volumes kind of slide; certainly, capacities coming up, and it's not such a bull market. So, uh, with all of that as an introduction, Charlie, what's your opinion?
1: It is definitely an interesting market. It's probably one of the more interesting times I've seen recruiting in this industry. And I think you know some of the the points you made about the freight market and what's going on. It's always a direct reflection of what's going on in the talent and hiring market. So. Um, You know, I'll give you an example. At the beginning of COVID, um, when there were issues with steamships, a lot of companies panicked and came to us looking for import, export, you know, experts or individuals that had relationships thinking, you know, that might make a difference. And so um, I think the market is really dependent on what's going on. Um, But I think, you know, this year we've seen a lot of change. So no surprise with the great resignation that there was a, a good chunk of time where these candidates were in control. There were more jobs than there were people, um, but really qualified, available, interested people, people that are even able to legally work around a non-compete or an employment agreement. Um, and the market has flipped and it really has flipped into the... Almost the exact opposite, where now the hiring companies are back in control, um, and I would have said that that is exactly where we are up until maybe a week ago. And the last week has just been a little different, um, and I'm happy to elaborate mm-hmm. on kind of what we're seeing.
0: That's interesting that, that it's, it's it's kind of flipped because the, the market certainly hasn't shown signs that that it should flip. So really, yeah, please please uh, dive deeper in that and and explain how it did flip.
1: The Q4 is always interesting. I think any company would say, you know, they never really know how the year is going to end. October has historically been our biggest month in production and placements, and it was our lowest month this year. So the good news is we're starting to catch up, and December is turning out to be a much better month than we've ever seen and we've ever expected. And what's happening right now is we are getting a lot of inbound inquiries from hiring companies, um, companies that are looking for niche talent, companies that are you know, finalizing their 23 plans, their budgets, they identify a gap in the hierarchy, they need to hire, they need to backfill. Um, but on the other aspect, we're also seeing a lot of really good candidates coming our way. So um, not such a flood of of bodies, I would say, which is mm-hmm. kind of where we were, but more so candidates that you know maybe were part of one of those layoffs a few weeks ago. They took a a couple weeks to get their head straight, get through Thanksgiving, and um, they're starting to think about the new year. So putting their resumes in front, of us, in front of us now, saying I'm ready to get back to work. Some of our, you know, some of them we have conversations with right away. Some of them were delaying till January, but I'd say. This year we've seen a very heavy demand from hiring companies and then a very heavy demand from job seekers and right now it's like almost even like we are we are getting a lot more searches than we expected but we're also seeing some really quality talent that is putting themselves out there.
0: And on the hiring companies, uh, do, do you have any industries you know, going from freight brokerage to to more of a 3PL play or a 4PL play, asset-based, freight tech, uh, a number of that I probably haven't listed here? Is there a sector or a section of the market that is seeing more demand or, or more bullish than, than others?
1: Yeah, we have seen a crazy uptick um, in demand for high-level, experienced, independent contributor, business development reps, sales reps. Um, so it's not unusual at the end of the year that companies want to bring in revenue generators. But I mean, we work on roles of all levels. We play a lot in the executive C-suite, and we definitely still have some searches across the board. You know, from from that low level all the way up. But there is a very consolidated group of jobs, a very high demand for sales talent. Um, so, if you sell and you're not satisfied, whether it's your, you know, compensation plan or the culture or the opportunity for growth, it's it's really a great time to be looking.
0: It's interesting you say that because that's my forecast for 2023 too. When it comes to uh, where businesses are going to focus, right? Mm-hmm. It is all going to be about the leads, the, the sales, the, the bull market, especially if you talk about freight brokerage, we'll, we'll take freight brokerage or yeah. asset base, right? Where if you have the trucks, if you have the capacity, you're going to get the customers, right? Mm-hmm. That's thinning out now and you're going back into more of a bear market in, in the, 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 the freight market where it is all about, certainly customer retention, but the acquisition, And heavily competing on that acquisition, not based on the capacity you can get because everyone can get the same capacity. It's about that value add, which is much rougher sell. And it's something that you do see in recessionary periods is time to get new clients Mm -hmm. because the the clients that you have currently, their volume is going to go down. Either the pricing is going to go down. It's going to get very competitive out there. Oftentimes you see race to the bottom. Um, On the freight tech side right? You, you're seeing a dry up in VC money. Mm-hmm. You're seeing that, that growth or heads down, burning runway, uh, burning cash to, to, to build something is gone and profitability is coming back in, uh, business case is coming back in, and that means customers. So mm-hmm. you're seeing uh, in 2023, it just makes sense that customer acquisition uh, on the freight tech side, Showing that you're a viable business to to, to raise money, on the freight broker side to to fend off all the competition that is going to be coming to make mincemeat out of your book business and grow that. It just makes sense, right?
1: It does, and it's usually the The most predictable way to think about it is every other quarter it's going to switch from a demand for sales talent shipper focused bringing in loads and freight movement opportunities, and then the next quarter obviously will flip flop right back into the the carrier capacity demand, mm-hmm. looking for individuals that have you know those capacity freight broker relationships carrier relationships so I don't know if it's going to come as quickly as Q1. My guess is that we'll stay really focused on bringing in, you know, sales individuals who can build the brand, sell themselves, sell the the company and the solution, so they they do stand out from that saturated market. And then the next wave that we're going to see is now the the freight is there. Now let's bring in the people who can actually support the movement of that freight.
0: Yeah, I mean it makes sense, right? You bring in. Uh cold outreach or new business sales, you bring in the new business, then you have to get the, where there was account managers or, or get the capacity to the to, to carrier sales uh, to, to retain that, that business that you get, it's going to be that seesaw playing catch up with each other, which is a good thing really that that means growth, yeah. right?
1: It is. I mean, I'll tell you something that's really interesting that we've been seeing and I've, I've had conversations with, you know, competitors, other recruiting firms that play in the space, and they're they're feeling the same crunch that we are. We have had more sales candidates hired and quickly eliminated, fired, laid off, whatever you want really? to call it, um in q three than I'm sorry, in q four than we ever have. and it's discouraging because my interpretation is that these companies are feeling a little desperate, like we need to get someone in here. But the reality is, nobody is going to leave a brokerage on Friday, start at a new brokerage Monday, and literally transfer a book of business. It just it doesn't happen like that. And then when you layer in employment agreements, it really mm-hmm. doesn't happen like that. And, and non-solicits, which should be upheld, non-competes are a different story. But um, I mean, we're we're seeing some companies give a sales rep nine days, and it's like he didn't he didn't produce or he you know didn't cover himself well. The beginning of a of a new job should be onboarding training. Let them absorb and observe and and mm-hmm. really take it in and and they will prove their value. They don't have to be making three hundred calls a day and and moving twenty loads on day one. So, it's discouraging. I I want to share that message with candidates that. If that's happened to them, they're not alone, but they also should be very prepared for that and, and make sure that in these interviews, they're asking the right questions. They know what those expectations are. There's a lot of transparency in terms of, you know, what does this company expect me to do and, and managing those expectations? Can I do it in that given time frame?
0: That, that, that That is surprising. Cool. It, it is really surprising because uh, we know in, in sales, both, both you and I, Charlie, uh, it takes more than... The nine days it usually takes more than nine months to, to really get get exactly. get your steam going, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's like starting another business. Exactly. You know, you, you don't become cash flow positive in the the, the first week, right? You're right. lucky two or three years down the line to to, to do that. But with that, it's, it's an evolution, right? You can't mean you can't get on a bid in in nine days or a month or two months or three months, right? And you can't transfer that book business over. I mean, that's a whole another conversation of, uh, you know, do do your shippers or your customers follow you or or the business? And that's a dicey proposition. And then that's without the employment agreements or the non-competes out there and the non-solicitations that that money is the water. So if that's your expectations as a hiring company, um, I I just don't understand how that could be an expectation, but.
1: And I think it, it sends a bad message in, in every which way. So yes. I mean, think of like these companies are wasting so much time and money and resources to even make that hire, to even invest. Even if it is for two weeks, they're investing in training. They're setting that person up with their equipment, their logins, their licenses, mm-hmm. not to mention all the time that went into the vetting process. And so my advice to hiring companies is manage those expectations all the way up to the the highest stakeholder and be realistic about the market be realistic about the legalities of the market um what you know what type of shippers need service what type of carriers are building new capacity relationships Cause it's just, it's, it's almost like a lot of these companies are looking for unicorns and yep. it doesn't send a good message to their current employees either. It's a, it's a fear tactic. It's not a safe place. If you're watching two, three salespeople come in and then two weeks later, they're gone. It makes you just wonder like, what, what are they judging me on?
0: Yeah, it, it seems like it's desperation. It, mm-hmm. it reeks of, of desperation. It's like going to the horse track and just betting on a long odds because that's yep. what a unicorn basically is. You, you're finding the the diamond in the rough, uh, and and you're going broke by by playing 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 long shots because the long shot has to come in for you to uh, to be successful. That it's just just bad strategy. It seems like.
1: Yeah, it's a bad strategy and it's, it leaves a bad taste in our mouth as a recruiting firm yes. because we're doing our diligence. We're sharing everything we can upfront to make for, you know, a very clear and honest interview process and something, something is being missed and it could be on both sides, but I'd really put the onus more on the hiring companies and um, maybe it's impatience, maybe it's expectations, but um, it's, it's unfortunate because well, these are good candidates.
0: Yeah, and it hurts you uh, as well. It hurts uh, CS Consulting, right? Because yeah. you're talking about all the, the time and effort and resources, money to, to go out and acquire the hiring company, go out and find the candidates and uh, you know that whole process a, as well. And for exactly. it just to um, to evaporate within a, a couple of weeks, uh, it's tough to bring on new business. And if the new yeah. business is going to act like that, then that's an issue, Everyone, right?
1: Exactly. And, you know, I, I I'll be the first to admit, most recruiting firms, ours being one of them, we are primarily contingent. So um, it's not about just generating revenue. I mean, it is about the match. It is about finding these talented sales reps a good home and finding these companies a good, you know, fit for their team, um, but we don't make money if somebody leaves in two weeks or they're eliminated. And um, then mm-hmm. we really have to look and say, was this the company or was this the candidate? And of course, there's three sides to every story. But in those situations, it's almost like, okay, we have to pick a side because we we can't we can't represent. You know, there, there's there's some truth somewhere. So, mm-hmm. um, did the candidate overpromise? Did the candidate totally bomb? Did the candidate, you know, have another job that they didn't disclose? Or was it the hiring company's lack of preparation, lack of, you know, expertise to really understand what it takes to bring loads to the board?
0: And and you brought up the contingent part. And I I think it's important to understand how uh, recruiting agencies like yourself get actually get paid, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to work with a recruiting agency, you should know that, that the moment you step through the door, they don't get a paycheck. Or they, exactly. they don't get that commission check, or, or that revenue. It's it's based on you know it's every everything's probably different, but yeah, I always thought six months, somewhere exactly. around there, maybe mm-hmm. that you get the lion's share of, of of what you earn. And and I'm sure that that differs case by case and customer by customer, but it's a, a rule of thumb, right?
1: exactly it's not it's not nine days, so yeah. um, you know we know we we try to give our clients enough time to really evaluate that person and and we also ask our clients like how do you evaluate what is your training program? Are you welcoming this person in and making them feel like part of the team where they're going to be motivated and prepared to work, or are they starting on day one wondering where their laptop is or if they what their title is and there's still a lot of companies out there that they just they they hire hastily um, and it backfires. It's it's not worth it.
0: And I can see that too. And I, I guess one of my questions would be: Are do some of these hiring companies fit that that profile of not having a lot of experience hiring people, especially top level people?
1: Yeah, and I ask that question a lot. I mean, when a client comes to us and says we want a candidate with a book of business to sell. Um, it'd be great if they could also manage people, but we really want them to sell. Um, no non-compete. I asked those clients, like, when was the last time you hired someone like that? And most of them fumble. Um, there are some unicorns out there, usually they're agents that convert to a full-time position. Mm-hmm. And it's it's usually, you know, a, a networking or relationship hire. So maybe once in history a company brought over you know, an agent who had their own book of business, they were going to, you know, take a 50, 60% split. Now they're getting a salary. Now they're getting benefits. Um, And a lot of times the owners, if they're small brokerages, they'll say, well, I could do this. I could put 20 loads on the board Monday. Well, you could, but not in a foreign environment. You could because Mm -hmm. this is your baby. You've been doing it. You've been nurturing these relationships. So, um, that's that's kind of how I, I like to go back. like let me understand if you really have something that is so awesome that you're putting out there and you are truly getting candidates to come over with a book, like tell me what you're doing because it's it's very unusual, and our you know our goal is to find someone who is capable who has the potential, um, who's going to add value beyond just bringing in revenue. And then it's really up to that hiring company to set them up for success.
0: Yeah. Bringing a, over a W-2 uh, from a competitor and installing them and expecting their, their book of business to come with them uh, is uh, now with the agent you can, right? Agents own their own book of sure. business, right? So it's, it's much simpler, but I, I, I for the life of me, I can't understand the mentality of that.
1: Yeah. And and everything's starting to blur a little like with with non-competes. I think we both agree like a non-solicit makes sense. You built that book while you were working here using our name, our resources. Mm -hmm. But the non-competes are where it's really starting to blur. When you talk about freight tech, you know, some of these companies truly are selling a technology that has nothing to do with calling shippers for freight. Yet if they came from a brokerage, their non-compete may very well restrict them from going to the tech side, regardless of what that service or platform looks like. And then I think there's a lot of blurry lines and a lot of grayness in some of these, you know, freight tech companies that are actually just brokerages. So, yes. um, you know, they're, they're really just looking for someone who came from a competitor to come do the exact same thing. Um, those are areas where, you know, the, the non-compete is, is legit if you signed it, but, it's starting to get really blurry where we'll see, you know, a great candidate with a non-compete, show them different tech opportunities, but then really read the lines of their non compete and they're restricted. So um, the non-competes are getting broader. And I'd say like the the market competition overlap is getting grayer.
0: It, it is. So you brought up non-competes and non solicitations, and, and part of the, I guess, non-compete Portion of that is when you talk about if you're a freight brokerage or a freight broker, and you go to a freight tech company that's selling almost exclusively to freight brokers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that one of the the examples of running into some non-competes? And some, some people places. think that is still competitive.
1: Yeah, some of these non-competes. I mean, they're they're all over the place. There's you know, if, if I had to sit down and look through them, I could probably. Pick a couple that, like, okay, that makes sense. They listed mm-hmm. ten companies you cannot work for. They know their competitive market. Anyone else is free game. Um, but there are a lot of companies where that non-compete clause is, you know, a full page because it goes into, you know, it's truckload, it's LTL, it's flatbed, it's reefer, it's domestic, it's international, it's steamship, it's air, mm-hmm. and so it's like, okay, well, what can I do? Um, and we've we've been working with some really talented candidates that. They have their hands tied um, and, you know, the most we can do is steer them in the right direction, advise them, go back to your company, see if you can get a waiver, see if you can reduce the time of the non-compete, but still respect the non-solicit. Um, everyone plays the game a little differently.
0: They do. Uh, so do you have the feeling that non-competes are going out out are going out of favor yet? I know I know, you know, you talked about Steam Logistics and, and Steve Cox over there posting mm-hmm. and other people joining in. I think they have over a hundred companies right there. Uh which which is I would I, I think is great. But yeah. I'm gonna ask you right now, are have you are you seeing a uh, a diminishing effect of non competes or, or are they still full force?
1: Full force. I mean, it's great to have those voices in our industry, and and I'm clearly one of them and advocating for the employee. But until companies really feel the strain of hiring people because they're making them sign a non-compete, they're not going to get rid of it. So. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these new hires are entry level and um, they start with the company, they sign their life away day one, they have no idea what they will sign. So um, I also think a lot of these larger brokerages have spent many years and lots of money building up in-house counsel. So they have counsel. It doesn't cost them anything to, you know, chase someone or send a, you know, a cease and desist or, you know, use again, like use that lawyer as a scare tactic. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're going away. Maybe there will be a time down the road where a company, you know, has extended 10 offers in a row. They're all rejected because all 10 candidates refuse to sign the non-compete coming in. Um, but once you're in, there's no reason to make them go away. It's, you know, these, these companies have the, the upper hand.
0: There is. And there's a, there's a couple companies out there that have made an, a business on its own almost of exactly. chasing down non-competes. And I, I think any non-compete on the entry level of someone who is right out of college, I think it's just unethical. Number one, I, I, yes. I really do. Yeah. really do, especially if they didn't bring in the average or below average and you fired them or let them go and to then enforce a non-compete, a very broad non-compete is, mm-hmm. I, I think it's criminal, actually.
1: It is. it's like you think, and I can think of an exact candidate situation that we were working through last week where we've got an individual, you know, let's say he he had $150,000, $200,000 base salary. He was earning a, a strong commission incentive package and his non-compete is so restrictive that he cannot work in this industry. He cannot use his experience, his trade um, to make money. And it's the holidays. He has a family to support. and you know, our advice to them was maybe you know, explore something else for a year and then come back when that non-compete expires. And it's just sad, like somebody who probably was bringing in two three hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. like, what are their options? I'm gonna go. Get a job in the insurance industry for forty thousand dollars, and I know that's yeah. not even. I don't even want to do that. It's just a a band aid until I can legally work and and really, you know, perform what I'm passionate about again.
0: You're exactly right. You, you, you almost just have to sit out a yeah.
1: year, and it's just unfortunate because it really. And then then you see, you know, so much talk about hiring managers really scrutinizing resume gaps or industry jumps and you know, there's a story behind it. A lot of times it has nothing to do with the candidate's performance. It has nothing to do with, you know, their emotional intelligence or their ability to perform. It is a legal left turn in their career.
0: It is. I think also if, you, if you're laid off, if, if you lay somebody off or, um, or even fire them, right, I think the non-compete should go out the window.
1: A lot of people think that that is the case, but it's not, at least yeah. in the non-competes I've seen, whether it's a mass layoff or it's an mm-hmm. individual performance elimination, it it holds.
0: Yep, it, it does. And I, I think that's unfortunate. I, I I think that that would even be a good first step, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That would be a exactly. good first, first step on non-competes. Um, but it is something that transportation it doesn't is not unique to transportation there's a lot of other industries that are going through the same issues right now i think the courts might be on the favor of the employees just barely right now and we'll see if that trend continues right
1: exactly exactly and i mean there's definitely a lot of governing laws that are leaning towards employees when it comes to like pay transparency and you know there's a lot of buzz out there about the different states that are requiring salaries upfront, whether it's on the job posting or disclosed in the interview, and I think that's that's a step in the right direction, but it it's not going to change the non compete at all.
0: No, it, it is not. Yeah. Um, well, let's get back to twenty twenty three and kind of what um, we we talked about a little bit uh, at the beginning. Let's let's kind of uh, touch base with it again um, here.
1: Sure. So, you know, 2023 is going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens. I'm going to say second third week of January, we're going to get a real feel of the market. Um there's a lot that hiring companies can be doing though to really prepare themselves if the market shifts, which it will. It may be January, it may be July, but there will be a time in 2023 where employers are really um struggling to find great talent. So, That's my advice to any, any recruiting firm or any hiring company that has in-house recruiting teams or talent acquisition teams is, you know, build your brand right now, connect with candidates that just be honest, this is an informational interview. We're just networking. It'd be great to know each other if there's ever a time where, you know, our needs and and wants line up. Um, It's also an opportunity to really put like a diversity plan and strategy in place for, especially in our industry, like if your team has any downtime because you're not hiring today, it doesn't mean that you don't need that position. It means take advantage of this time to be strategic, to really prepare for 2023, to have a really firm, clear interview process in place, to educate your team on um, how to, you know, how to evaluate talent. Um, and then obviously just building that pipeline, improving job descriptions. There's so much that should be done. Um, if, if you're not hiring today, it doesn't mean that you won't be tomorrow.
0: And, you know, I found this out firsthand experience, uh, is not easy to hire a bunch of people. It's not yes. easier to ramp up hiring, right? I, I think I spent this 2022, 2021, I, I, I hired a lot of people in 20, I went through that interview process, of FreightWaves mm-hmm. and, uh, and brought on a, a lot of people and it is challenging. Because you're doing that, plus you're doing your your actual job, plus you're doing other things, and, um, and and always be prepared for that 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 rush. Be prepared to interview, to to know to, to train right, yeah. to know how to bring people on board. Um, I think we talked, uh, you know, uh, about people who didn't really have experience hiring the roles that they wanted, which exactly. entry level roles hiring is much different from executive or you know top 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 tier top tier salespeople even mm-hmm. right that that might not be a manager at all but they're expected to bring in a, a lot of money um, that that hiring process and those expectations right or are, are much different between the two and it's it's it, it's imperative to to know that going in and be prepared
1: yeah and that that's a whole other conversation but <laughs> you know I would say something people may not realize is that most talent searches fail because of lack of internal alignment. So, you know, when you are we we need the hiring managers intimately involved in the process. It's great if there's a recruiter to drive the ship and manage the processes and the administration behind it, but if this person is coming to work for you, that's part of your job to to be able to evaluate them and to make those decisions and very rarely like I that may or may not have been on your job description. You may or may not have ever been trained on how to interview and identify people for your team. It's always just kind of like assumed, but it's like, how do you get the experience until you get the experience? So, um, and that's where we see a lot of searches fail. Like we will get to the finish line. The candidate, you know, said in the very beginning that they needed 80,000. The offer letter comes in at 70 And it's like, well, who didn't know that they needed Mm -hmm. A? like at what point in the process was that message not shared or were you just trying to to see what you could get away with? But it's usually, oh, we'll get them for lower. We'll get them for lower. And then when they come to negotiate the the highest level stakeholders, like, no, this is not in our budget and we weren't prepared to to counter. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just transparency and honesty. And that's what that's what needs to be improved.
0: It does. It does. It, it's kind of a, a mystery to to a lot of people that the entire hiring process, both on the the hiring side and the employee side, it's mm-hmm. it's it's, it's nerve wracking in a lot of ways, right? <coughs> you can right. go out and negotiate deals in in business, but your own job, it's it's much harder to negotiate. And uh, and we we should do a podcast about that, yeah, uh, yes. later in the year because I, I think that's a very interesting uh, angle to everything. Um, but is. with that, you know, Charlie, thanks for for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. and Looking at twenty twenty three, and and uh, we'll talk about that. You know, maybe at the end of the first quarter, see if see if anything's changed as well.
1: Yep. Thanks, Kevin. Happy to have
0: today. Yeah, and if you want to, if our listeners want to to learn more about CS recruiting, where do they go?
1: Go to LinkedIn. Um, you could either check out our company page or any of our recruiters' uh, personal profiles. Um, we share a lot of content. We put out a lot of advice. And we're always happy to engage with companies that are looking to hire industry talent or active or passive job seekers that are maybe thinking about a change.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, always a pleasure again. Uh, until the next episode, let's put that coffee down.